Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Fit Bet Pod. <laughs> My name is Ben Lomas, and sitting at opposite me is a man who loves to make love to double pasta. It's the one and only Dilruk Jai Singer. Hey, finally, you got something correct about me and my life. Uh, ben, we do have a guest who's giggling in the background, as we as people would have heard. It's so exciting to have him here. Uh, people would have uh, heard him on Triple J for years, but also he was uh, the host of The Tonightly Show on the ABC. But he's a fantastic stand-up comedian that I love and adore. Please welcome Tom Bella. Hi. Hi. <laughs> it was quite a nice chair. I think the reason you started laughing is because the change in uh, shift in energy between energy me and Ben just before. Fill the room. Yeah, people There's don't down. People, Ben counts down from three yes. yeah. to get himself psyched. Yeah. And then he's just giggling away. It's comedy. Because before that, we were doing uh, variations of the catchphrase comedy, but in a more spookier way, like comedy. 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 I'm at the window. Comedy. <laughs> Come play with me, comedy. <laughs> John Ballard, thank you so much for coming. And you're one of wonderful guests who've uh, decided to listen to a few episodes as well to get you into the mood for this, yeah. which you've picked some odd ones, I think. Oh, I, listened, I, listened, I think I listened briefly when he started and then stopped. Uh, just to, oh, uh, I wish I didn't ask oh. this question. Tom Ballard. Yeah, yeah. I had to hard keep to... up with the Democratic uh, nominee process. All my yeah. podcasts are about American politics, so I listen yeah, to that yeah. a lot. It is then, tough to, uh, there's so many of our mates to do podcasts that you want many. to support and listen, and it's just hard to. <laughs> too many, and like, we're one of them. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but it's true, good on every one of us but like even you had one uh like a seven-year-old what was it called <laughs> like wow. i'm a six-year-old like i I'm still six- have it it's still going there you go that's a great example of something like it's like <laughs> there's so d- many people have different projects especially podcast wise and you yeah. you have to kind of dip in and out and yeah. you sort of yeah. i do seasons basically i'll do like a season of uh of like hamish and andy and then when i catch up i'll do a season of 12 up you know things very like good that. of you to support hamish and yeah and 12 up as well yes you know just struggling ones yeah. I forgot what the podcast was called briefly. I thought it was Fat Bet. So I looked it up in the thing and didn't find Fat Bet. So then I'm just putting in like Fatty Boombas, Big Fat Fat Boys. You didn't try to search Dilruk? No. How many podcasters named Dilruk? <laughs> I eventually got around to that, but. I did my first gig for Class Clowns when I was 14 years old. 14. 14. So one of the things we try and talk about on this podcast is where we get comedians is how they balance staying healthy and being fit and mentally well (laughs) while doing this crazy business. So at 14 years old, tell us, Tom Ballard, how did you manage to do any of that? (laughs) You're still fucking going through puberty at that point, aren't you? Yeah, it's ridiculous. No one should do stand-up comedy when you're 14. That's ridiculous. Do you remember your set? What was it? What was it, 14? It was about using an automatic toilet and the, the toilet flushing against your will, yeah, and um, definitely some dick stuff. You're in good company, though. I believe Dave Chappelle, Eddie Murphy, they started at around 14. I thought, well. you, I thought you were going to say they did class class. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't win, okay. yeah. yeah. Sachin Tenduka, one of the greatest cricketers of all time, was a 14 year old when he really started to uh, step his game up. So, you know, really? you, you, you could be all the, the Tenduka of, uh, yeah. of, of comedy. Have you ever this footage of Bill Hicks was doing like comedy clubs when he was 16? Yeah. There you go. There's another that. one. Yeah. yeah. And so, he was actually quite good. And you actually kind of haven't fallen into the trap that a lot of comics can do when they start too young is they, they stick to the same persona of the teenager right. and then and they're now 30 and still doing like, you know, uh, how, suck, how shit is high school? <laughs> <laughs> so at least you managed to break away from that. You're, yeah. you're a It'd man who was doing closeted 14-year-old stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had you come out at that man. point uh, no, at 14? No, I didn't come out until I was 18. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's on, on your birthday? 
Yes, happy birthday <laughs> to our <laughs> <me>. guy. <laughs> oh, he's a jolly good fellow, and he he's loves bumming fellow. Oh, <laughs> good lord! No. <laughs> is that if you were gay? Is that how you would do it? You would gather your closest friends and family to the one room. No, I'd, I'd do it like you know when they uh, reveal uh, a cake, the like gender a, of yeah, a baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pink balloon. <laughs> Did you see that gender reveal thing with the car that caught on fire? Yeah. Oh, so good. It just summed up our society. It's just like, oh, burnouts and then your car's on fire. What, what is wrong? I don't even understand the whole gender reveal thing because, no. I mean, it's a That's... celebration. It's a good boy. Is it a girl? Like, the only time it'd be actually worthwhile if it wasn't either of them, you know, like. Well, there was one, you know, they see videos of like something goes wrong with the order and you open the box and there's, and there's blue and pink. Yeah, that come yeah. out. Yeah, and you sort of go, well, yeah, that should be kind of it, or it doesn't. He's having uh, a baby. You know? it, well, yeah. each to their own. If that's what makes people happy, you know what I mean. People aren't lucky enough like us to get to do comedy so regularly and live like you know a fun, but, a fun but, dream. You know what? I, I think sometimes I don't like it because there are so many people who find it so hard to get pregnant that when you see these people like, oh, you know, you fell pregnant within a month and now you have this gender reveal. But all those people have just like, I like the idea that someone who's just gone through IVF, who's dropped fifty grand, spent two years trying to get pregnant and they open up the box and it's just cash that flies out. But can you... Can you can, <laughs> get notice. Yeah, can yeah. you live your life constantly worried about how the, the, the more unfortunate people and not celebrating your own kind of moments? You know what I mean? Like, uh, hello, that's <laughs> what I do. I'm Tom Ballard. <laughs> Mate, we can't, get, we can't get sidetracked too much about gender reveal parties. <laughs> Oh, 14 years God, old, you dude. started doing comedy. Oh. When did you start, uh, uh, say, like one of the things that we have in the comedy world is uh, a lot of indulging in alcohol and maybe other yes. substances. Uh, was that something that you uh, you grew up in country Victoria, Warrnambool, mm. uh, Dave Hughes territory? Yes. And uh, Were you did guys you. Mates? Was that. <laughs> he was a little bit older than me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you, did you uh, start drinking at a young age or anything like that because of the comedy influences? Uh, not because of comedy, no. I mean, I, I, I drank to fit in out of peer pressure. Um, in I, high school? Yeah, yeah. yeah right. There's a few um, like house parties and stuff where I started drinking. I And I was the goody two-shoes. Of, I was like a teacher's pet kind of vibe. You? And that, <laughs> no. Yes. Really? Really. And I smoked a cigarette at a party and someone filmed that and put on my space. <gasps> so that were you ducks off your school? I was, yes. Of course you were. And the right. southwest region, but we don't need to do that. <laughs> I just love it if you're still wearing your blazer with a little crest on it. <laughs> Public speaking school captain. Uh, uh, a lot of pussy. <laughs> um, yeah, but sport, like, I was never, I've never, I've never enjoyed sport. And when I was a, a young kid, I was so obsessed with becoming like an actor and becoming like a creative person yeah. that any time spent on sport was like a distraction and a waste of my time. That's and my incredible. brother and dad would like watch the cricket and get into football stuff. And I'm like, guys, this is, this is nothing. Speaking this of cricket, I'm watching a musical. I'm busy. <laughs> Quite literally, yes. <laughs> literally. The theatre was my stadium. Oh, Last night uh, I was lucky enough to host uh, Tom Ballard headlining and um, it, there was a moment where another comic and I were talking about the cricket and I said it's a 117 for 7 and Tom thought it was an AFL score. That's <laughs> 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 117 <laughs> for seven goals. <laughs> which happened? Which, which is pretty hard because when you're from the country, football is pretty much everything. It, it brings the community. I mean, Warnable was quite big, so you had a little bit of diversity. But yeah. footy, like, because at school, so you, you played no footy? No footy. 
So I used sport- to, when I was in primary school, I commentated football matches from the side, <laughs> right. knowing nothing about the rules and with no one listening to me. Uh, that sounds oh like a stand-up comedian uh, in the making, isn't much. it? No one, uh, what I have to say is important enough to, for people to hear, even though I don't know what I'm talking about. Know what I'm talking about. But surely you would have had to play sport. You, you kind of have to at primary school and high school, especially in the country. I played tennis. Tennis was sort of the one that, that, right. I, that I got into. You yep. do You're like quite tall. What's your height? Six three. Yeah, so you would have been a tall kid, and people are like, "Hey, you should do this. You should do that." I did basketball for like one season once. Yeah, very bad at that. <laughs> um, I was fine at tennis. I sort of got to a point where I was fine, and my dad and I would play on the weekends, and then I sort of had coaching and stuff. And yeah, fine, just fine, just fine. Right, right. But never something that you, that was just, just not a passion for you. I just, I didn't. Yeah, I just didn't see. Like, I knew I was never going to be amazing at it. Yeah. Um. I, I, it felt satisfying when you had like a good shot in tennis. That was cool. Um, I would get tired very easily. <laughs> I'd, go, I'd daydream about my creative endeavors. Um, and uh, I do remember once playing doubles. Uh, Sam Withers, my brother David's older brother, my friend, my friend David's older brother Sam, mm. um, volleyed a tennis ball into my crotch. Oh, and that was very painful, and that stayed with me to this day. Oh yeah! See, I, I, I had a that. I had a rugby uh, practice where someone tackled me and the, their knee went into the sh- my shin. Yeah, uh, this was like I was twelve or something, and I went, "That hurts so much! Yeah. I don't want to do this." Like, it's not like I just couldn't see the joy of like you know the teamwork and all those things that supposedly come with sport. It was like at the time you're too small to go. Well, this hurts too much. I'm done. I'm and out. also, it puts you off. Like I I turned to basketball because I had height, but I played footy. And then I remember it was grade six in primary school. We played St Joseph's, right? Mm. St. Joseph's was pretty much consisted of uh, pretty much the whole Lebanese community of Coburg and all those guys hit puberty at the age of 10. So <laughs> I was in a ruck with a guy who looked like he was 48 and had a beard. Yeah, yeah. And I remember just going, like, just go up there, hit the ruck. And I remember just going up and I got corked so badly like that I just could barely walk. I went... <sighs> That, none of this is fun. Yeah. None of this is fun. And then I remember him going, I'll get you next time. <laughs> like, you just got me then. Why do you need to get me again? Yes, like, I will just... also get you next time. So then I remember my dad, because my dad is a physio. He's like, just play sport where you don't injure yourself. And that's when I just turned to basketball. I was like, oh, we can't. I mean, you can injure yourself. Well, I was going to say, you are riddled with injuries constantly. So, yeah. I just think... You, are you, you aware who you are? Like, I am. I'm the Michael Jordan of Brunswick. <laughs> I do love the idea that we're all three of us uh, sort of against this idea of getting hurt in sport and physical activity, and yet then we do something that's so emotionally bashing where you constantly go from having a great gig to a bomb like in a flash, and you go, I'm a piece of shit and I should quit comedy and everything that's around me. It is quite a, uh, the resilience that we have with one area versus the other is quite remarkable to me. Well, it's the insane um, irony, isn't it, that um, normally if you're a comedian like me, I'm very sensitive. Very sensitive person, was a very sensitive kid, physically sensitive, didn't like being in day draw, hurting myself, was scared of hurting myself in sport and was very sensitive with other people's emotions and was worried what other people think about me. So, mm. of course, I go into this career where you stand up on stage and if people don't laugh, you feel like a piece of shit. Like yeah. you're constantly putting yourself up constantly. to be um, yeah, constantly. told that you're an asshole. <laughs> yeah, or just... Because you're not good at comedy! <laughs> but just continually seeking the admiration of strangers. Yes, like even yeah. then that concept alone still baffles me that I just want to get up and I want these people to love me. Like, love me. And it's just, it's insane. So, uh, Why do you do your material then? Uh, <laughs> hey! Uh, Tom Ballard, who cares about other people's feelings. 
<laughs> who we're talking to. Um, so, no, but, okay, look, we've got, got here organically, so we might as well go down this track, which is, I do find it, you you grew, you grew up with stand-up already part of your life. Like, you'd already, dis- like, knew this is what you wanted to do, whereas for me, and I think Ben to an extent, is that yeah. this came later in life for us. Mm. So, um, I had this conviction that I was like, oh, well, I know what accounting life looks like, so fuck that. I'm going to yeah. try and put my head, go straight into this. But for you, with stand-up, you knew, it, like, very early on that this is what you want to get into? I wanted to be an actor. When I was eight yeah. years old, I was in a production of Rock and Roll Santa and I played the role of Blitzen. And um, <laughs> uh, he was uh, very stupid. He didn't even know his own name. So whenever anyone said Blitzen, who, who Blitzen he'd turn to the audience and go, Blitzen, who's that? All oh, right. Killer. It's Killer. Uh, so good. Oh, that's um, a joke and a callback the whole way through. <laughs> How old are you at this point? It's eight like, years old. Yeah, exactly. Stop shaming an eight-year-old <laughs> fucking play. <laughs> Um, and and so I was like, okay, I love theatre, I want to be an actor I'm going to be the greatest actor of my generation Acting, 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 acting And then Class Cuns came up and I said, oh, this is another chance to get on stage I guess I'll give it a go Yeah. And then I realised, oh, stand-up is just you on stage Everyone looking at you And if they laugh, it's all yeah. because of you So right. lots of attention So then I sort of yeah, kept doing stand-up then So now that that's been there, part of you When we've just acknowledged that there is that moment Where we feel sensitive and we feel that sense of rejection And when a gig goes badly Have you got strategies in place that are ways for you like on a regular day like you 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 tour a lot you gig a lot you do like you know your tv shows radio what are the things that you do to make sure that you don't drive yourself crazy do you have specific hobbies do you have specific routines in your day do you meditate um i don't meditate i've started going to the gym a lot more regularly i would love to see that That sounded creepy, didn't it? There's it something did. really I would creepy like to go about it. I think going to the gym with Tom would be pretty brilliant. It'd be, <laughs> why? why? That? Well, I'm going to turn my chair around and yeah. face you, Ben, no, and sort because, of ask you because this. I, so, I, I, Tom, I love you. I, I am such a big fan of yours. And, and, and I'll say to this deal, like, I want to be your friend. Like, it's just... <laughs> I, it's been this for a couple of years. Like, that will never happen. <laughs> But it just kills me because I, I I love it because you also you remind me so much of, of, of like a best friend of mine. You just have that deep, you care about people, but also I fuck you're, off, can't. Wait, wait, wait! Yeah. I'm going to say this though because like on stage you are hilarious, but off stage. I find you excruciatingly funny. Like I just every time I just find it. And the idea of this you is at somehow the gym, a compliment. By yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> but you like the idea of you at the gym. I, I want to go to the gym with you because I think I probably wouldn't work out. And I'd spend the whole time laughing because you'd be questioning everything you're fucking doing. <laughs> questioning why are we doing this? Where are we? How did we end up here? Oh God! Fuck the baby boomers. <laughs> How can I? be doing fucking weights while people are on Mattis yeah. Island. <laughs> being tortured. What's the point of it all? Oh. Yeah. So, so you go, so you go, sweet of you. But you're going to the gym. Yes. Now, where? Is it a local gym? Is it, is it near you? Yes, yes. It, it's a gym that I went to. It's in North Fitzroy. I used to go there when I lived uh, with Tommy Daslow. Yes. Um, and I used to go there regularly. Then I moved to Sydney. Then I came back. And it's a little bit further from my current place now, but I love it because it is um, a place where everyone's just trying their best. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of yeah. middle-aged ladies love it. Yeah, yeah. Not, a few muscle Marys, but it's not like fucking you know like a Sydney it's an Taylor Square right. gay uh, gay gym. Where yeah, because that would be out. a big difference between like you know you spend a lot of time in Sydney. Like, if you go to a gym in Sydney, it is insane. It's nuts. It's just people just, and I assume that that's what LA would be like to mm. a degree. Yeah, where mm. it's just people really working out to just aesthetically look amazing and yeah. then feel good about that, rather than work spending any time on the inside. Yeah. 
Like, it just creeps me out. And then at least here, and I guess it's where we live. Yeah. Where, it, you know, you do have the odd hipster gym. Though I have been wanting to see someone in a fedora do chin-ups. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we didn't get around to this when we had him on, but with Nate Valva, I've spoken to him off air once, but he was t- trying to explain to me that there's a fairly toxic culture in the gay community where there's so much expectation on body image sometimes that, that you know, you almost feel shamed even if you're like, you know, podgy. Like yeah. because there's so much poor, like everyone's so ripped and well, good looking and stuff. Do you do you feel like that's that's true or? Yes, there is a um, hyper superficial, um, judgmental, bitchy scene, and there's a um, there's a there's a fondness. There's a certain. I mean, sure, there's a bunch of psychology about it all, but there are some gay men who I think have felt like when they realised they were gay, their masculinity was threatened. Therefore, they're going to become the most bulked right. up tanks you've ever seen right. in your goddamn life. Right. And I think that's true. I think you know, for all this like, oh, you know, gays are little fairy stuff. It's like some of the most intensely. Um, beefed up dudes I've ever met have, have, been, have right. been gay guys. So do you think because your parents were supportive, you look like this? Brutal. All that love backfired. Having loving, empathetic, caring parents who we care about your feelings, have another cake. I'll put on Oklahoma for you, darling. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> I thought you weren't supposed to eat roasts anymore. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, that, that's you... probably fucking accurate, that is. My yeah. parents are so lovely and supportive and spoiled me. Right. And they tried to teach me to cook. And I, I would literally be like, I can't, I don't have time to learn how to cook, guys. I've got to focus on school and becoming the greatest actor of my generation. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would literally, anything that wasn't sort of fitted fit, fit into my. Insane it fantasy it, about becoming, uh, you know, like some famous performer it was yeah. just. It was like, oh, I'll have, I'll have people to do that. Right, 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 right. No, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I'll have a cook. Yeah, but it obviously. also is a nice. It, it is a nice thing because there's that, you know, very. very I don't know, people think, oh, comedians they're always dark childhoods and blah blah blah. And, you know, whereas it's nice to hear someone go, no, no, no. I was, you know, quite supported. People I like, don't you know. know. I yeah, I mean, people, you know, the sad clown theory with comedians, but I just, I cannot. I, I think, cannot um, provide evidence for that. Was it Brad Oaks who said that maybe we just uh, talk about it more? Is that what he said? People think that, uh, oh, no, he said because what we do is all about human fun, at the minute we're just normal, it looks like we're depressed or whatever, something like that. Yeah, well, Jerry Seinfeld says, you know, there's depressed people driving trucks around, but you yes. don't hear about it, right? Yes, yeah. <clears throat> so, you know. Um, so, yeah, so so that idea of the toxic culture, that it, not toxic, but that, that pressure on uh, in the gay community and stuff like that, is that is that a motivator for you at all? Or is that something that sort of bothers you a bit? Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm never going to be that. I'm never going to be a muscle Mary. I'm never going to have amazing pecs and like like ripped uh, yeah. six. And I'm not. And I'm, I'm at peace with that. I've, yeah, let, I've yeah. let go of that. But did that take time? Um, well, see, there was a period where... Um, <laughs> There was a. I used to have a bit where I would uh, talk about looking at myself in the mirror without my shirt on, and go, "Oh, oh well, just say, gonna have to get a bit more famous." Yeah, right, yeah, so right, like, right, right. I think it works for Peter Hellier. Um, but like, <laughs> the... One of our celebrity <laughs> listeners. Thank yeah. you for shouting him out. I love you, Pete. That's a joke. Uh, but you know, if there was a point where I was sufficiently well known and probably young enough, like in my early twenties, going out in the city gay scene. 
yeah. while doing Triple J Breakfast, where I was I was not worried about the amount of sex I was having or whatever because of because of those factors. Yeah, you know right. I mean? yeah, 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 right, right. <clears throat> and ironically, I think I reckon that was probably when I was at my least healthy. Doing breakfast radio just in, destroys your schedule, and you're eating at all the wrong times, drinking so much coffee. I still have, have like five or six coffees before eleven a.m. Wow. And on the weekends, I would wake up at like ten a.m. with a screaming headache because my body was just like, "Where the fuck is my caffeine?" Yeah. You can't, you can't How long did you have breakfast ready for? Four years of Monday to Friday. And that was like like from the age of 20 to 24, something like that. Yeah, 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 about yeah. that. And you have no energy to sort of do any exercise. And, um, yeah, that was when things really got messed up. And on the and on the weekends, you are so kind of exhausted from the from the week that if you go out and you party, you kind of let loose and then you spend your Sunday hangover and then you have to get up early on Monday. And, that, yeah. and then it, and doing that repeatedly takes its toll. Just like a nightmare, yeah. And, you and also, I was doing gigs at night. And I was going to say, yeah, and, and you're just still doing your stand-up as well. <clears throat> yeah. And so obviously then you decide in those moments you go, okay, I've got to prioritize work. And so things like health and fitness take a back seat, right? Mm-hmm. So now we fast forward uh, about uh, six years later or whatever. So you go start, you make the decision to go to the gym. Yeah. What, where does that come from? I think that was uh, yeah resisting for a long time, being like, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to be a gym person. I hate hearing about a gym. It seems expensive. I'm not going to go. And I think I was just getting to a point where it's like I, I want to lose weight and nothing else I'm doing is going to work. Right. And if I can, and I and I really love eating. Yeah, <laughs> it's really good, guys. Yeah, that's the, it's the best. <laughs> Have you heard about it? Yeah. Um. So, and I thought I, if I can get it to a point where I can go to the gym regularly, that I can eat whatever I want, then that would be quite nice. Right. Right. And so, because it is that thing uh, you touched on uh, briefly about the gym that you go to, where you really like it because everyone's trying. Because there's sometimes a fear that when you go to the gym, you're going to feel mm. worthless. Like yeah. I don't want to be surrounded by people who are. Crushing it, yes, and then you were watching them. me, and I don't know how any of the equipment works. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that reminds me because I used to—I don't know if the same one—but I used to go to to the gym on Johnson Street in Fitzroy, mm. and uh, and I remember once I just started, and I felt really self-conscious, and I'll never hear this. I was doing the bench press, and then this really big, muscly guy just stands right over me, and I can see everything, like the package sticking out, right, Ooh. and he goes, and he just starts helping me. I didn't ask him to help, and he just goes, "I used to be just like you." Oh, and I'm like, what? Wow, and he's wow. like, you know, and I was like, mate, I, I'm fine. He goes, yeah, yeah, you'll get there, mate. You know, it feels like you won't be able to get there. And I was like, I didn't fucking ask for this. Yeah. Like, I felt fine. I yeah. felt fine until you came along and told me I was a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so like, well, why do you have the right to then come along and then project what you're feeling onto me? Like, mm. oh, he's trying to help you. I, I know. And but I was, yeah, it is that thing about. I used to be like you, an absolute fucking <laughs> maggot. <laughs> just a wig, a pudgy little yeah, wheat dog little, nothing yeah, bullshit nothing, yeah. with a tiny little dick <laughs> what <laughs> look at me package now yeah come on uncle Malcolm. <laughs> so the, the 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 gym was an idea of losing weight is yeah, it rather just than healthy. just a fitness yeah, just yeah i'm never gonna get yeah never gonna sculpt my body to anything but i just wanted to get rid of love handles yeah <laughs> my friend tom who i love very much uh he's also you know struggled with weight loss and stuff and he's not tom dasselo no no no, another another gay man uh he once like um (laughs) he once like felt uh around the side of his back like he's the love handle area he's like oh gosh there must be a sock or something in there Around, it was like, no, no, that's your body. That's your human body. I think um, the love handle and stomach is like one of the last fats be areas to try and to, to get rid of. Like, it's really hard. Like, that, that's the one that I think most men, I think, oh, might totally. even like uh, be stacking. Like, that's where you right. carry most of it. In. But I've accepted that I will never, 
I will never have a six pack. Like I, there was a long. What are you period. talking about? You, me, and Luke McGregor have a pact for to meet up a year from when we from recorded <laughs> to true. have six packs. But I just like even then, if I worked so hard, I just don't think I just have one of those bodies. Like yeah, this is it. People, yeah, people forget. Like you look at someone who's ripped and you go, oh, how can I get like that? It's like you probably literally can't. Yeah, and that's totally fine. And also, you need to know why you want it. Like we had Freddie Flint of uh, cricket, yep. uh, English cricket captain who said he wanted six pack for so long and he killed himself to get it and when he got it he was so depressed because he realised how pointless all of that effort <laughs> yeah. was and he so looked malnourished like, on it as well like he, he did it for a boxing thing and like but, you should see it he lost it in his face and it like it, it like went from his face down to his six pack but the oh. point that he was trying to make was that it's just we give ourselves these these goals that we think we want to achieve because we see it in movies or on Instagram or whatever but really you got to ask yourself why you're going to do it because most likely the people that you see on Instagram or in movies they want it for a role or they're doing it because that's their job or what that's what they like but not everyone has to have a six pack to make themselves feel good like Mm. so that it's almost like you want to do find activities that make you happy that lead to a six pack rather than chasing the six pack itself right right? yeah because a lot of people say like I think it was maybe Tommy Little was saying that you know you work so hard to get that six pack that sometimes you actually go through so much pain and agony that they talk about you know it's the journey to feel good but the journey itself is hell and then by the get it same with Freddie like Mm. was this worth it hmm yeah no he well he says definitely not he was said he was the saddest he's felt when he looked himself in the mirror and he goes I finally got it and this feels like shit you know <laughs> so I think I think that's a healthy way still, to look at where, still, you go, where you I, go I hear that but I think it's it's still I'd still rather be at a metaphysical loss and like you know reach some kind of nihilistic point about the emptiness of existence with a six pack than oh really <laughs> than like just feel because I feel like that too but I've like got a, a tub uh, I guess it's one of those things he's <laughs> got a tub yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How's you your tub looking? Um, Pretty tubby. <laughs> do you have a moment in life where, say, I mean, it's hard with you because you start comedy so young, but generally where you went, okay, I think I've got all my ducks a bit lined up here where career-wise I'm okay, I'm not, you know, I'm drinking and partying the right amount and I'm feeling physically good. Do you have a version of that that you can try and try and strive <laughs> towards or has it always been something that's had to take a backseat? When I, well, and the thing that like won me over on the gym was I did this like six-week fat loss program thing they did. Mm which was like two semi-private sessions a week and then maybe three group sessions, gotcha. which is basically like F45 a week. Yeah. And by the end of that, I had lost like 10 kilos or something like that. Right. Yeah, wow. and you're, so once you see like, oh, it can work, then you kind of go, well, I can keep doing that. You, you know, trust the process. Yeah, yeah. You, right. believe, you believe it can actually it can actually right. happen. So um, I know that if I, yes, do have the discipline to go and do the stuff, then then the effects will take yeah. place. So yeah. I know that I have that knowledge, and now when that doesn't happen, it's just on me. Being yeah, such a, gotcha. So you take yeah. some control and responsibility back. You're yeah. like, okay, this is within my ability. It it's is not possible. something that I just want to write off as saying, oh, that's just for not for me. A better yeah. Tom Ballard is possible. Yes. But, but I, because you're so tall and I feel like we're in a similar category, you, you do share your weight well. Like you do hide it well. Mm, like, is this friendship? <laughs> I think so. No, but I'm just wondering, like, because uh, not, not many people would just, go, Tom Ballard is what? fat. They, would, they wouldn't. Would you say Tom Ballard's fat? No. No, exactly. I would so say I'm for such a, a good joke, friend. but I <laughs> <laughs> he wants to be a friend so no, bad. It's lovely. What's the heaviest you've been? Um, I've got up to 115 kilos. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which, yeah. There was a point where I went skydiving with my friend in uh, 2013, and they, your friend yeah. is now a pancake. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> and they have they do have a cutoff, which I think was 110. Ooh. And I think I was ju- I was on my way to 115 at that point. But like the guy looked at the scale, he was like, "Nah, you'll be fine." Oh, really? So you did you did it? I did it. Yeah. yeah See, yeah. I've had that skydiving thing as a thing where I wanted to go do it, and then I found out that I'm like 125 and that I can't do it. And I always had that fear of going, "I'm, I'm, you know, I'm never going to be able to skydive." Now that I'm under, I'm still scared to do it. I was like, <laughs> it was just an excuse. Not well, to- a friend of mine had the same thing in Canada. It was like the maximum load was 100, and and he was like like 105, and uh, and the guy goes, oh, "Look, we we have to, you know, we have to tee it off." And so he's like, "I say, just t- take your clothes off, take your shoes off, reduce the weight." And he was just standing there in his boxer shorts. He goes, "Yeah, we'll let you through," and he just goes. I was going to let you through anyway. <laughs> you guys, I just love seeing a man so desperate to jump out of a plane and he's standing there in his box of shorts. Jan 2018, so when we just started the podcast, I'm almost like we recorded one episode and I went to like Gold Coast and I went to Movie World. So I'm still like 120 kilos or whatever at this point. And the guy in front of me had to, like they couldn't pull the 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 seatbelt the harness down and he had to get up and walk away. And I remember oh, that, that, that moment still is a good one for me. Like at that moment, I went, this is why you need to keep at this. Like it, it genuinely was Jesus, not about. that is it was, brutal. Because you can talk about all the issues of heart disease and diabetes and all that, but that's so fine to the future. You don't think it's going to affect you. But when you see something like that so real in front of you going, I'm a couple of kilos off being knocked back <laughs> next to my, his, his loving girl. Meanwhile, his loving girlfriend, is just strapped in there and she's like, well, I guess I got to go. And like, it's like such, closing the boot on a, on a, on a packed boot before you on holidays. It's like, there's too oh, much. Mate. That is brutal. But also the real just... Tower of Terror. Like, being <laughs> <laughs> walked past a bunch of people going, yeah, we got a too fat, uh, too fat to ride, too fat to ride. Oh, man, but also oh. everyone sees it. That's oh. the thing. And he's got Jesus. this big smile on his face. Oh, I guess I can't go. But I, I felt it. I felt it so in, oh, man, it hurt a lot. Just also because there's like, did another person come along? Or was no, it two no, no, people no. pushing it down? No, they tried multiple times as well. He goes, oh. "Oh, sorry," and then it's you know, no one wants to tell him, "Going, I'm sorry, you can't do this right," you know. But it had to. But happen. also, it just he, wasn't. But it's also that's good they checked it because what happens if it didn't close? Like you know, you would have, he would have flown out of that thing. And, and I think in that moment, he probably would have hap- happily died <laughs> and not have to deal with the shame <laughs> that seems to be pushed on him. I've like, been with a friend and like she broke a chair once. Like she's a big lady and yeah. broke a chair in a restaurant. And I just, yeah. I broke a chair on uh, Harley Brin and M. Roshiana's show live on air. <laughs> and just so fat that I cracked it on air. It's probably, I think, the highlight of Harley's radio career. <laughs> I can't believe we had Harley in the studio for one of the episodes. I can't believe I forgot to bring that up. Because <laughs> I've done it where I've, I've been at a party and I broke the chair and everyone laughed. But I did that thing where I just couldn't admit the fact that I was fat, that I picked up the chair just going, yeah, I think there was a bit of a fracture in the <laughs> Yeah, bloody <laughs> chairs. They don't make them like they used to. Oh. So, yeah, it is like I'm, so the exercise thing now is something that you're slowly but surely you trust the process of. On this the doesn't flip- just happen, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> the flip side, how are you with food? Because you're a vegetarian? I'm a very bad vegetarian. Yeah, mostly vegetarian, let's say. At least yes. you're having a crack. Uh, and when did you start becoming vegetal? Um, I think that must have been uh, maybe almost 10 years ago was when I sort of start, was, I was interested in it. I was living with my cousins in Melbourne and they were vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Then I read Eating Animals by Jonathan Sapphoa. Yeah, that's right. Which is a very good Tell book. Tell us about that. I don't know what that is. Uh, Jonathan Sapphoa is a, um, a famous uh, author who wrote Everything is Illuminated and Extremely Loud and, and Very Close um, about 9-11 and stuff. Anyway, very right. good author. And he wrote a book about how he was having a son and he wanted to find out if he was going to feed him meat, what, what you know how, how meat was made, basically. So he started right. writing letters to to 
meat producers. Yeah, yeah, meat producers sort of said, hey, can you just give me information about how this meat is made? And uh, no one replied. And he was like, that's weird. And then goes on and writes this whole book about the kind of insane. A lot of it, it's, it's one of those books, like, it's kind of like the quit smoking book. Like, a lot of people read it and go, oh, I'm done. Yeah. Like, right. it's that you just go, I'm never going to eat meat again. It's cruel. It's bad for the environment. It's bad for the animals. Um, it's unnecessarily and, cruel. Yeah, and for health wise as well. Or it was more ethical. No, I mean yes, I've managed to um, still put on weight while eating vegetarian. Uh, yes. Well, no, I mean you know, there's no animals in chocolate. No, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so what are your vices then? Even now, as a vegetarian man, what what are your things that you <clears> love? <throat> oh, mate, when I get on the deep fried tofu, oh. mate, if I'm hungover. <laughs> Um, well, my vices are meat. Uh, <laughs> How often do you uh, relapse from the vegetarianism? Oh man, I mean, it's all the conditions. Like you know, if a I burger. if I feel sad, right. if I've had a bad gig, if right. I'm hungover, if I'm sick. But don't you think it's still better than doing nothing? This is what I keep trying to make. Like I, I get, I I just think that there are people like me who ignore the facts and continue to live essentially yeah. ignorant of the damage that I'm doing to myself and mm. the environment through meat eating and whatever. But at least you're having a crack. Do you know what I mean? Like even if it's one day a week that you choose to be vegetarian, that's one day better. And also you, your lifestyles like change as well. So like my partner was a vegetarian for close to 15 years until she became pregnant. Yeah. So it was like, you know, at that change, it was just like I just craved meat. I couldn't – I felt like it needed to be part of my body yeah. and I needed to – and then she became vegan for four years. I was a vegetarian until the age of 20. Mm. Because I didn't even like the taste of meat. It had mm. nothing to do with ethical reasons. I just didn't like the texture. But I agree. If you do it for a certain period of time, surely you're helping a little bit. Um, yes, you are. I'm becoming increasingly sceptical. This is kind of like an individualistic idea about, um, you know, how much you're you're helping the planet um, and ultimately what you need if you want if you want to seriously change the the kind of impact that the agriculture industry has you know that takes widespread mm. government change and mm. a lot of movement and you know some would say I don't know you're going to die one day and if you want to be happy you may as well eat what you like now because it doesn't make much, too much of a difference. Okay, I suppose that there's, there's things, also but... then potential like say there might be someone who's listening now who's on the cusp of becoming a vegetarian didn't yep. know about this book and then you've given this, you know, use this opportunity to talk about the book and then it's like, oh, okay, cool, I'm going to read it and then there's one more vegetarian there. You know yeah, I mean? Saffron Fair was like, you know, in 10 years, not half of the world won't be vegetarian, but maybe half of all meals that are eaten are vegetarian. Yeah. yeah. And there's like a food critic in New York who's vegan until 5 p.m. every day. And then, right. and then eats whatever yeah. they want. To what have small, small changes. <laughs> Fuck is that? It makes sense to me. I just oh. go small, small changes. Like because it's because it's all of them, especially in terms of habit forming. Like you know, I, I, like there's so many things that I did for 30 years that I'm trying to undo, and I'm trying to be kinder to myself when I do go back to those old ways. When mm. like you know, like having hot chips at 11 o'clock at night, even though I'm not hungry. Yeah. Like for some reason, there's a compulsion. I go, hey, this is annoying, but hey, don't get don't beat yourself up about it. At least you're trying. You can mm. only keep like the like the people at the gym that you were talking about, at least you're having a crack. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I was so, trying to think of stuff that I used to eat, and I've just, maybe you've covered this on the show, but like the worst things that you used to eat or make because you couldn't cook anything just because mm. you wanted something. When I used to get home from high school, I would um, toast two pieces of bread yeah. and then put tomato sauce between those pieces and eat that. Just that, tomato yep, sauce. Because you couldn't afford anything else. When, 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 I'm sure I could afford, I yeah. could make anything else. We didn't have yeah. anything else. I did, I did that in the Netherlands where when I was living there, I'd go to the cheese market and I would have my weekly shop and 
all I would buy is cheese <laughs> and bread. And I'd buy some of the nicest Dutch cheese. But because I ate so much cheese and bread mm. that I would do the same thing I get, I was like, well, oh, I'm going to splash out and get a fancy bottle of tomato sauce. <laughs> I once, uh, you know those Indomie uh, mee goreng noodles? Yeah. I uh, made 10 packets. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's and ate it all in one sitting. No, to be honest, it, I couldn't get through it because what happened was... <laughs> I tried. Like it's too I, I had a crack. Oh, dang, don't get me wrong. Because what happens is the water that the, the broth is in, it starts to absorb into the noodles over time right. and the noodles just become fatter and fatter and it's just like, I can't, I can't. This is just big. This is physically. So what, you, like you're boiling the water and you're putting one pack in and no, then, no, no, then no, doing no. another? No, 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 no. I made 10. I made 10 and then you poured it into a big bowl right. of noodles. <laughs> While he's doing it, he's also just eating one like a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> See, I reckon I could have eaten ten of them as biscuit, but because the broth, it fills you up. A lot oh, more. my brother used to get past, like dry pasta, and just like chomp on that, like yeah. fucking celery. I didn't. I, I tried to cook chicken once in the microwave, <laughs> and I didn't know about this whole thing with metal. Like I wrapped it in foil, Jesus. put it in the microwave, and suddenly it caught on fire. I'm like, fuck! <laughs> There's so many reasons for me to quit drinking. That should have been reason number one: the drunken cooking. I remember around the corner from my place, my biggest binge, which like you know, in the same thing. It was, I guess, healthy was they had this place, Maria's Pasta. It's on Nicholson Street. It's been there. It's been an institution. But I would go get two bags of gnocchi, you know, half a kilo, and then a jar of pesto. And after a big night, I'd come back. It only take mm, three minutes to cook. Mm, and I'd, mm. I'd eat like, you know, three quarters of a kilo of gnocchi. <laughs> going to bed. I just, I, I turned it to one piece of gnocchi. Because so <laughs> I just sit there just going, this can't, this can't be good. <laughs> You're not burning any of this off. That's the closest so thing good, you do baby. is have a wank and then go to sleep. Storing, storing for the winter. Man, it is, it is, I mean, it, yeah, especially you hope that once you become an adult, you start to, you know, understand the damages that can be done and you, you might avoid them. But the truth is, fuck, we're so weak sometimes, especially with, I hate to use comedy as an excuse, but the times, the scheduling with comedy is so all over the place sometimes that it's hard to really balance it. Like I had my festival shows at 9.45 this mm. year. It fucking threw off everything because yeah. I'm like, do I eat before? Do I eat after? All of it was a mess. Mm. Going back. Full circle, I guess we started. We sort of dipped into booze at the start. We said there was peer pressure to drink at a young age or whatever. How are you now with booze in, say? Would you like a drink? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to cut back on that too because it's I, I don't mind getting drunk, like, you know, going to a party or, or what have you. I'm going to a party tonight. My cousin's 30th and I'll have a lovely time there. Do you want but... to take Ben as your new friend? You want to come? Yay! We can hang out, baby. Hi, I'm with him. <laughs> <laughs> I'd do it. He's really funny off stage. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. That hurts. It hurts from one friend to another. That's what he said about That's me. That's what he said about him. But, but I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> oh, I, I get it. Wait, wait. I get it now. <laughs> Jesus. Um, you're not invited. I always say to people, he's funny on the podcast. Uh, no, no. You'll, you'll rock up to the party and I'll be at the window going, comedy. Comedy. Do <laughs> um, so you like, you like, a, you like yeah, a but nice it's like if you do four gigs a week or whatever, it's the two beers that you have that kind of add up that don't, you know, it's not getting you drunk and you're just sort of having it because you're there and there's a free yeah. drink or whatever. So I'm trying to cut all that stuff out. Do you, you know? do, do you have a ritual around drinking before gigs, after gigs, anything, any rules like that? No rules. I'm trying. Yeah, I try. You know, I I used to have a beer on stage with me every night during a comedy yep. festival. Trying to cut that out. Try to be able to just do it with water. Yep. Yeah, it's just sort of. Um, yeah, just sort of. 
selecting and um, focusing the binge drinking on the one right, event right. rather than, you know, just constantly sort of yeah, being a I little bit drunk. I think there was a period before I quit drinking, I did that. And I think kids helped with that because I couldn't – there was no point. I was like, yeah. if I can't binge, then I'd have to What's time What's the point? It. Exactly. It was like, yeah, yeah, then I'd be like, oh, here, here's the binge, here's the binge. But then after a while, I just, just was hanging – Hanging for the binge. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'd be like, oh, Thursday night. Oh, I'm doing, doing, a, doing a gig. I'm going to get fucked up. Yeah. What's, uh, how do you navigate things like uh, mental health stuff? Do you, uh, do you have, uh, do you see a therapist? Do you, so you said you don't meditate. That's one of the Do you talk to your go. friends? <laughs> I don't. Uh, I, I do podcasts. <laughs> you can see, see Ben's face right now as his friendship <laughs> really sort things cool. out. Um, I don't regularly see a psychologist. I have seen a psychologist before, I found mm-hmm. it very helpful. Um, I'm trying to remember to talk to, to people and hang out with people because I've gone. I've really, I realized recently actually because I went from Tonightly, which was a very popular show, um, and that finished. And so now I've just sort of, you know, freelance yep. solo stand up who lives at, and works from home. Um, and I've just, just all that collaborativeness is gone, right? So it's something I'm missing. I'm just going to try and make that happen a little bit more, like working with other people on, on stuff. Right. Otherwise, I it's think all just I'm solo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally get that though, because on Tonightly, because like, I had the pleasure of coming to a taping, and uh, and I loved it, and I was I was a huge fan of the show because I loved the format and I loved you. But the amount of work that you guys put in that show, and there was a real team, and you'd work right to the hour. Like I saw you at the desk with Chambo and other people working on that show, just writing right, and, and like that collaboration to yeah. go from that to nothing yeah. would be a really hard thing to shape. Because yes, you were at the time you were bitterly disappointed. Mm. Like there's no and. And what I loved about it is you express that very openly <laughs> across all platforms, which I don't know if that was a technique for you to be able to deal with it, or but I was I was quite impressed how you handled it, I thought. Oh, I just thought it was funny. It was funny to talk about your show being cancelled all the time. I didn't like some, – some people on the staff were, like, quite angry and were posting sort of, like, je- quite sincerely angry things. And I was like, I don't think we need to do this. It's not, yeah. it's mm-hmm. not the end of the world that your TV show – that you got to make is not happening anymore. But if you mm. want to make funny jokes about it and hang shit on the ABC in a funny way, that's but, uh, but oh, sorry, but so after that, uh, did did you go to a darker place? Like, is that did you then see a psychologist, or did you work it out between friends? Like, had like I'm always curious, I'm fascinated because you see comedians who who go really spiral out of control. We've had a couple of friends where shows have been cancelled. I had it when Open Slam got cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just wondering. I'm just you should have got help when that show was the commission. <laughs> oh, mate, 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 I was there. I was there. I, I, I'm sorry. I had no. Uh, <laughs> I just, the show was there, but now it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> For the record, I never wrote um, that, that reference. Uh, please Google uh, uh, Open Slider's Scorn it's, sketch. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a classic. It's a it's a it's a decent question uh, that Ben's asking. Is how how does someone bounce back from something? Because it's a public thing. People are aware of it, and people are. Uh, I think John Mulaney on Pete Holmes's podcast talks about his show getting cancelled and the the massive impact it had on him and his mm. mental health about that. So did you did you have uh, what are the things that you had in place to try and push you through that? You never really seemed like you were. You know, obviously you would have been disappointed. 
but I don't feel like. Uh, what? Well, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a, a a weird mix of being sad that the show was over, but also um, being mal- being in some way slightly relieved that this insane yeah, work schedule was ending right, because it okay. was okay. it was overwhelming to the point where it was not really sustainable. To be honest, did it, you have it like with Conan and the Tonight Show where he goes, "Hey, I just look, it, I can be upset, but also I can look at it and go, "Hey, I had six months of hosting the Tonight Show yeah, or something uh, like that." Yeah, I mean, go, it's hey. like you know, I got to we got to do 160 episodes. You got to show, of my one own of the TV I, show. One of the things I loved yeah. you saying is you got to showcase so many new comics, new stand-up yeah. comics that uh, that no other TV show yeah, was able to do. Yeah, that was amazing. That was something that just hadn't been done on television for a long time. Like yeah, a stand-up like 50 spot. comics, 70, something like that? Like it's something quite a decent. like that, yeah. About 50, lots of bands and stuff. There's, no, there's literally no live yep. music on Australian television um, uh, uh, after us. And, you know, I know the ABC's in a tough spot at this moment, but, you know, it doesn't feel like they've quite sort of doing anything that can kind of... Um, fill the gap that I think tonight they left. And also, yeah. but fill the gap for the next generation. Yeah. Because the existing shows at ABC are great and, yep. and they get recommissioned, but it's also bring it, like it was, that was just a breath of fresh air. So it's sometimes, I work a lot at ABC, but it was that thing where I was like, well, what's the next thing coming up? Rather than just going, we've got fresh blood, here's 10 pilots, but we're not going to use any of them. Yeah. Like I just thought with tonight, I was like, here it is. Here's a new platform. And also for us as stand-ups, like, could we get a spot on the show? Uh, what next sketch is? What no, is Greg Larson? <laughs> I was in, I was in the audience for the pilot episode of the first ever episode. Oh, I was because yeah. I love comedy. I, <laughs> I, I flew to Sydney to watch it. <laughs> oh, well, I love it because when I was working on a show in Sydney, and I called, I called up Tom. I was like, "Hey Tom, I'd love to come to a taping." And then we hang up, and then he calls me back twenty minutes ago. I was in the room with you. Remember? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, he calls back and says, "Hey buddy, any chance you could do warm up?" <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm there, I'm there. Uh, Bella, the, so going forward here, you're about to go to the UK. Oh, yeah. uh, now, are you moving there? I'm not moving there. I got the, I've got the visa. I've got the two-year working visa. I applied for that because if you don't have that, it is quite hard to, to do other work outside yep. of the fringe and the, the very specific things you Because you're 29 now? 29. Yeah. You're so under 31. You're you only it. 29. Yes, turning turning thirty in November. Wow, you're so young. <laughs> you must get you get that a fair bit that you're uh, sort of ahead of your like your your I forget the phrasing, but basically compared to how young a you prodigy? are. A prodigy. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna smack this bitch up right. <laughs> it should have been prodigy. <laughs> no, but yeah, you 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 were quite worldly uh, for your age. You you know you're a lot more mature than most people at 29. Are. Oh, at least as uh, for where well, I would have been at 29. I, that's I thought you were older. Like mm. I really did. Oh. Like so, it's the crow's feet. Um, the, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't help myself. As a Tom, friend, I what do you what do you do? That's what I used to get um, anxious about is it was my teeth on TV. I used to just follow the projects and people would tweet stuff about my oh, teeth. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you? God, uh, fuck. People, let's oh. talk about that then, if you can. If we have time, we need to start wrapping up. But like, like online hate or online comments. Do you read comments? Do you uh, Twitter? Twitter. You're a quite active person on Twitter. Do you yeah. engage with the trolls? No, I'm no. mute. Mute people now. Um, I, I think I'm I'm comfortable enough in myself and my work that I kind of go. Well, I know enough people like yeah. it, so it's fine. Matt, Matt O'Kline talked about when he was doing Triple J that he had to see all the text messages yeah. come through. Did you have yeah. to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're in charge of like saying which texts do and don't get published onto the website, so you're reading everything. Yeah. Um, and that can be brutal, particularly when we're 20 years old, starting this national breakfast yeah. show, being very insecure about what we're doing. And physical stuff being on TV was like, well, I'm not there to look hot. I'm there to be funny. So it's, right. it's annoying that you're picking me up on my. T- I don't like. 
like this idea that comedians have to be hot just because they're on TV. Right. Um, but the, the, yeah. Especially the last 10 years, that has been a bit of a case. Yeah. Like, we're just like, yeah. you know, you're funny and you're super hot. Well, yeah, that, not everyone can weird. be Peter Hellier. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> super hot and super funny. <laughs> but but I, I just find that interesting because, like, I mean, you looked amazing in a suit, right? Like, <laughs> like you did. Like, But it's that same thing where it's like, you know, it's that particular outfit, you know, like, because if you think about it, who's who's big name comedians who are ugly? There, there aren't there aren't any. You what? Yeah, big you, name comedians ugly. who aren't attractive. Yeah. Yes, Louis C.K. Oh, okay, I was uh, in Australia, but yeah, okay, Louis C.K. Australia. I mean, Dave Hughes has jokes about how he looks. Oh yeah, of course, Hughes. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. okay. Singer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if that guy gets hot, his career is over. <laughs> No, it's a grace period. <laughs> you got to win a Loki first. I think there are people who look who, if they weren't comedians, would be like look whatever. Yeah, but then because they're so funny, they sort of they like increase their hotness. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. guilty. Uh, yes, I think yeah. I'm yeah. so, <laughs> I feel, uh, so much more attractive. Guilty. Like, very guilty. Distract people with oh. yeah. No, but so, okay. So fuck, we need to do it to start wrapping up because Ben's about to go on a, on a holiday. Yes. Um, but uh, but uh, I want to make sure I tied everything off that we were talking about. So yeah, so online hate. You don't engage. You don't. Uh, no, pointless. Okay. Yeah, pointless, stupid uh, people who are not creative. They're not making anything. Um, and it's fact of life that if you're on Twitter or you put work out into the world, people are going to give you feedback, but you can't let it define you or influence right. you. Yeah. Which, and which, so, uh, sorry, which would have taken time. Like, I don't, I, long I, like, time. Yeah. So I reckon to develop, I guess, that willpower to not look, but then also to try and not engage and take it personally. Like, especially in the world we live in, like, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd find that really hard. Like, I've. Because you get so much of it. Sure. And the trick is people say that you can't – it works both ways. It means that when people say nice things, you kind of have to take it, give it as much credence as the bad shit. Because otherwise either they're all wrong and you you can't – you have to go on regardless or you do actually pay attention. It's so nice to hear the good things though. (laughs) It is lovely. Um, So going – this is what I was going to ask about UK. So now you're headed off to UK. Mm. uh, Roughly do you know how long you're going for? I'll be going for two and a half months this time. So that's a fair chunk. Yeah. Do you have a plan of attack in terms of diet, health, uh, (laughs) like fitness? Uh, You know, we started talking about your – Routines. You said the gym is yes. where we started talking. Because you're doing Edinburgh. Doing Edinburgh. Yep. And I've, uh, the previous times I've gone to Edinburgh, I've joined the gym, paid 60 pounds and gone twice. Yeah. Yep. So I need to do better than so that. 30 pounds a session. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I'm very close to the um, Arthur's seat, the yes. place where I'm staying. Um, it's, it's a great place where I'm staying, Dil. Um, Fucking <laughs> piece of shit. Yes, I didn't want to business. talk about this because I didn't want you to think that I was, I was trying to set you up for that. But you brought it up. <laughs> Thanks to Tom Ballard, in Edinburgh this year, I'm homeless. Um, <laughs> you know, you think it's all nice being friends with Tom? It's not that great, mate, because he will say, hey, Dill, do you want to get an apartment together? Sure, Tom Ballard, I would love to. I love you and I look up to you and I'm inspired by your stand-up. It would be so nice to have a whole month living with you. Oh, a month before Edinburgh. Hey, have you found a place, Dill? Because I found one with my other mates that I like. <laughs> And we don't have room for you. Oh. So for all the work you've done with the refugees, you've really undone it by putting one brown man homeless in Edinburgh. You'll be um, sleeping actually on Arthur's seat. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I'll see you every morning. I'll go up other seat and say hello to you. Other seat is one of the things that kind of helped a lot of comics do stay a bit fit because it's a bit of a it's a trek, it's a walk, it's about an hour maybe something like that, or just a bit of a climb, or maybe thirty minutes yeah. there and maybe like fifteen minutes down or whatever. Yeah. But uh, so that's something that you might want to try and do. I'll try and do that every day. Yeah. And food wise, diet. Um, oh man, just not thinking about just it. I guess it's just brutal. It's like mac and cheese is everywhere. You're Jesus. eating late. You're drinking a lot. Yeah. So uh, and uh, it's more like lunch and stuff that you need to. That's the stuff you need to actually yeah. make at home and stuff. So I will try my best and yeah. I will report back. Yes, please, I think please. I think I've, I need to figure out a plan myself, Ben Lomas. And I think maybe the more we've talked to a few comics about this Edinburgh situation, and I think maybe what you just said, which is at least have lunch at home, like mm. at a minimum, because I don't cook well, in Melbourne. Well, should breakfast in the morning at home and then just take a pack of lunch with you? Well, I don't have breakfast anyway. Oh, so because right. of my intermittent fasting. Yeah. But like, yeah, so maybe some kind of rule about just fucking, okay, I, I don't know what cooking is. I'll figure that out in Edinburgh. That's amazing. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and so Arthur Seed and then trying to bring some kind of control. Yeah, and to not drink absolutely every moment of every Which day. Which is very hard there. Very hard. Like it's just, it's cheaper, it's Especially delicious. with the with the Oof. gigs. The gigs are all over the place. Like yeah. you'll have gigs at 12 o'clock in the Arvo and then one at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Oh, um, um, man. But look, it looks like you've got most things... You know, starting to put little things in place, like going to I the gym. I think so, and I think once you've felt what it feels like to be healthier and to have strength in your body and feel like you're working on that effort, you know, it, it gets easier. Like you, it's easier to make the better choices over time. I don't know if you guys have found that, but and once, building once, the momentum. Yeah, I think so. Like. Yeah, I think I think because at the start, if you go so like a beginner health kick, you're like, "Fuck, this is so hard, and I can't be bothered, and it sucks." And I just have to keep this up forever. Mm. It's like no, it actually it, it all builds to make things easier over time. Yeah, it's kind of true. I mean. it totally, it's true. Yep. I think it's true with most things is because we give up because we don't see the results early enough. Whether yep. it's about like me trying to get sober, um, lose weight, whatever it is, it's the, the, the it's such a gap between the effort that goes into making the change versus seeing the results. So you yeah. feel like giving up. And it's about pushing through those initial sort of pain barriers. And I think that's where the podcast will help me and Ben, yeah. where normally we would have quit way before we did, knowing that the other person might get $1,000 or whatever with the bet, <laughs> yeah. made us stay on track. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it is hard. And, and then we, and we've laughed at how much it's developed that you, you know, even after gigs or when people come up to you and then they just go, hey, look, we listen to the pod. Uh, it's changed ours. We've lost a couple of kilos. Yeah, we stacked a couple on. Uh, but thanks for doing it. And then it's, mm. it's sometimes when you hear someone else and they're not like, how are you going? How are you tracking? Because we try not to ask other people that out in public. But then it's it's a reminder like, oh, actually, this does work. Like it still holds me yeah. accountable yeah. and I'm trying not to eat Gecko Puffs. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tom Bella, last question. Are you friends with Ben Lomas? Yes. Yeah. And, and, and I, when you come back, I'll have a friendship bracelet. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to hang out every day. Yeah. Uh, we're not sure when this pod will come out, but uh, if uh, assuming it is during Edinburgh, what, yes. what, what are your show details? Yes, show's called Enough. It's on at the Monkey Barrel at 9 p.m. every night of the Fringe. Uh, if you're in London, then goes to the Soho Theatre for six shows in September. Uh, yeah. Your podcast? My podcast is called, well, uh, you do the honours. Uh, like a six-year-old. Like I'm a six-year-old. Like I'm a six-year-old. I love yes. six-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> I fuck kids with Tom Ballard and it's available on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. <laughs> T- tell me that Fitbit said, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it's me interviewing people about their politics. And uh, it is really interesting. And then trying to simplify the idea being that if, like, I think it was it Glenn Robbins said, if you can't explain it to like a child or whatever, then you don't really understand something. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, you know, I know stuff about politics sometimes, but I also ask like people to tell me like, and okay, you, explain you, things very simply. You've chatted to people that you fundamentally disagree with. As yes, well, despise is, with every yeah. fiber of my being. Yeah, that's amazing. It's fun. It's it's you know people from all over the political spectrum and uh, yeah, if people want to check it out, that'd be great. Mate, awesome. thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Yeah, uh, I'll be right. in Edinburgh as well, uh, somewhere on the streets uh, because I don't have anywhere to live. Thanks to Tom Bella, <laughs> but uh, I will also be performing at the uh, Gilded Balloon, my show Cheat Days, which is um, about losing weight. And please uh, check out both those shows, Edinburgh. I reckon for any uh, even expats or people out there, go, go do go do go do a run. Go see Dill's show. Go see your show. There's a lot of mates are over there this year, mm. and uh, I reckon really get out and support the Aussies yeah there, so. and let, let us know if this podcast did send you that way because that makes us feel good about yeah, dragging someone like does. Tom no. out of his busy schedule so, to come and talk um, to us again. I have literally nothing on guys I'll be in Melbourne doing my thing okay uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, check me at Bedline Mass Comic and of course uh, at Fitbit Pod on Instagram as well so please leave your comments and of course uh, please review us on iTunes and stuff uh, I will be busy uh, following uh, Tom overseas and liking every <laughs> post he does uh, so uh, friendship is magic guys it is it <laughs> uh, thanks Tom thanks is magic Johnson <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, thanks, man. We didn't have time to talk to this, but I wanted to ask you about no. prep. I didn't know about prep. This is a pill that you apparently oh, take to yeah. try. Oh, no, we can't. Days. We have to finish. We have to go, have to go on holidays. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Can you come back? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, guys. Thank we'll you, Tom. We'll see you next week. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Bye. Bye.